Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the New Hollywood Podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos. And I'm Amanda Nduka. And for this episode, we have the director of this upcoming Netflix holiday film, Jingle Jangle. Uh, to celebrate Dave- the holidays. Yeah. So <laughs> Dave E. Talbert, you guys. It's on Netflix. Um, it is a feel-good holiday movie. It's one that we, I mean, we haven't really gotten in a long time. And it's, it's a cast of yeah. movie people of color, black folks, um, Forrest mm-hmm. Whitaker, the main character. Um, and it's, it's Felicia super Rashad. Felicia, yeah, it's a super cute amount. It's about this little girl who basically like saves Christmas. Yeah, it's very old timey Hollywood. Um, uh, like you could, you could tell it was shot on a soundstage and yeah. Um, it feels, you know, it's just happy. It's a joyous. lot of elaborate, like been, dance, a lot of yeah. elaborate dance scenes and 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 music. And yeah, it's really feel good. And like we we make this joke during the podcast, David. His last three movies have been Christmas themed movies. <laughs> <laughs> so he said that this ends his trilogy. I don't think it will. I think he's gonna I don't make think another. So. One. Yeah, we need a. We need a <laughs> he's the, he is the he's the Christmas guy. He's an auteur of, of holiday films. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he's, um, it, it's, it's just a fun movie. And, you know, we did tape this before last week. So, you know, b- b- before the election. Yeah. And I think this will add to the joy, I, I think. I think so, what, too. What you know, that's, yeah, that's if you're that feeling joy right, right now. now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. There might well, not be uh, well you should be, and if and if you aren't, then you, you, why you're listening to this podcast because <laughs> you're not our no. demo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, without further ado, here is David. David, welcome to Deadlines in Hollywood podcast. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being with us. So we're obviously we're here to talk about your your movie uh, Jingle uh, Jangle Jingle coming <laughs> on Netflix November thirteenth. But before we get to that, I want to ask, how are you doing? Like how 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 are you? Everything for you right now? Well, I was doing good until this chair just uh, <laughs> angry chair. Uh, no, everything's good. You know, it's a it's a crazy time, but it's a time to. Um, discover some things that you might not have discovered if you were running around, you know, 50 mm-hmm. miles an hour. So, yeah. um, you know, it's been a good creative time, you know, for me and- um, Pick up any hobbies? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
taught my son how to tie his shoes. I didn't know, okay, he didn't know how go. to do that. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, no, it's, no, it's good. It's yeah. Good. Okay, good. Are you in LA right now? Where are you uh, right uh, now? I'm in LA. Okay. okay. Yeah, I just painted my office two days ago, so I haven't hung anything back up. I wanted a fresh coat. At the end of every project, I have to go through this mass kind of cleaning. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Um, um, kind so of like a I, next phase kind of thing. Like well, I always do it because ideas for me, um, they can't, they don't come in and clutter. Mm. Um, there was a saying that I said that your ships come in over calm seas. And so my creative ships come when it's calm and clutter free. And then oh, I can receive Okay. Them. So a uh, little Zen, a little Deepak Chopra ish. That's kind thing. of that's kind of cool. Like yeah. cleansing and, and yeah. And, and, and you've done that. You've done way. that your whole career. Oh, every time. I mean, my oh. wife laughs at me because she knows what's coming. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna paint. I'm gonna reframe. I'm gonna oh, buy some new stuff. She knows what's coming. So she just <laughs> you know. But yeah, oh, it, it's uh, you know it's um anytime you've been in such a big undertaking mm. like uh, this project. Yeah has been for as long. You have to kind of clear it out and then and invite what was new to come. You know? mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. I might do that practice. <laughs> no, see, <laughs> especially after this year, right? Like that would be a good idea to do after 2020, like get mm -hmm. rid of sort of what we can. Mm -hmm. um, so, but for you, Dave, we like to, we like to talk about people's journeys into this business. Um, so we want to start, I want to start off by asking you, like, I know you went to NYU film school, mm -hmm. but what was your, what was your sort of your spark into coming into this business? What made you want to become a writer, director, filmmaker? Well, uh, NYU was way, it was after I got into the, the business, but it was, uh, I was a radio announcer out of uh, college, during college and out of college. And so when I graduated from Morgan, they transferred me to their sister station in San Francisco, KSOL. Mm. So um, I was out there and then someone, um, um, I was calling myself Big Daddy on the air. <laughs> and the program director said, don't call yourself Big Daddy because it's offensive to women. And I said, in our community, it's a term of endearment. I said, there's nothing offensive about it. He said, well, just don't do it. So the next time I opened up the radio, the, the mic, because of course I was 22 and defiant and in the Bay Area and had learned all about the Black Panthers growing up. So why not be defiant? If there's any yeah. other place to be defiant, then it's in the Bay Area. Yeah. So I said 107.7 KSOL, the Bay Area's best variety of music, always at least 20 in a row, continuous music station is Big Daddy. <laughs> oh, okay. Hotline went off. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh. And next day I, I said, I said, hey, he said, didn't I tell you not to call yourself Big Daddy? I said, I said, yeah, but I said, I gotta be honest with you. It's who I am though. And he said, well, then I gotta be honest with you. You're fired. What? <laughs> so, wow. And, 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 and that's how I got fired. And I was the biggest DJ in 22 in, in, the, in the Bay Area. And uh, so I went on unemployment. And um, and those were great checks. Every Thursday, four hundred and twenty-five dollars. I never imagined that there was free money that would come. And I would, I knew the mail, the mailman by name. His name was Andrew, and I would say, "Hey, Andy." He said, "Hey, David, give me that check." And then one day, <laughs> one day, the checks. I got there, and he was loading in the the mailbox, and there he finished, and he said, "Hey, have a great day, Dave." I said, "Hey, wait, wait, wait. Where's the check?" He says, "Uh." Oh, oh, there is no check. I'm like, what do you mean there is no check? He says, 
David, you do know these run out, don't you? So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I have to get a job now. <laughs> and so someone, my, I was, I got depressed for a minute because I knew the person <laughs> was on its way, and yeah. I had no four hundred twenty-five dollar checks. And so someone gave me tickets to a play, and mm. uh, I had never gone to see a play before. And it was the Diary of Black Men by Thomas Malanson at the mm -hmm. uh, Paramount Theater in Oakland. And I went there and people were just going crazy. And I was looking at the stage, I was looking at these wonderful people, the 3,000 people, and I said, oh, I can do that. Mm. And I went home and started writing my first play. And, that, and then um, uh, a year, a year later, we found someone to invest in it, and we put it up at the Black Repertory Group Theater in Berkeley, California. Three hundred seat theater. We sold out eighteen shows in a row. This is your first, this is your first play. First play, first wow. play. But I knew comedy really well, okay. mm. and uh, and I knew dialogue growing up in the in the church and listening to my great grandmother and uncle preach every Sunday. I understood words. I understood how words move people, touched people, connected with people, changed people's lives even. So um, so we put it on and then we went on tour um, about uh, six months after it opened up and that's how the play, play, that's how the play business began. Oh, I didn't even know you were from the Bay Area. I lived there for 10 years before moving to LA. Oh man, the Bay is, the Bay is, the Bay is good, it's fine. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Bay is wonderful. There's something in the water in the air and it's just so creative and 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 um and inspiring and uh and progressive yeah yeah definitely. so i, I, I make makes sense that i started well. there yeah it's expensive <laughs> well now now, now it, it, wasn't, is, yeah, yeah. it wasn't there one yeah. starbucks and poodles <laughs> and white people came into it. <laughs> no, it's true. You did you where, did you live did you live in Oakland? Did, where I did lived you? In, I lived in Oakland and I mean you could you could buy a house here for three dollars. Uh, but there. now it's like oh, it, no. like it's spilled oh, like no. whatever happened in San Francisco spilled into Oakland. No, 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 yeah. No. yeah. Starbucks uh, and a poodle is all over. <laughs> <laughs> Starbucks and a poodle. So wait, so so you started out writing plays. Was 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 it always in your plans to to do film? No, it wasn't. It was um, it was just plays, and um, and they were very successful. Um, you know, the genre um, of uh, urban theater was new. There were two big guys, Shelley Garrett and Mike Matthews. Shelley Garrett did Beauty Shop. That was a big play. And then I came in as young kid. I mean, they were both 20, 20, 25 years older than me, and I came in at 25 years old with a play. And we toured it across the country, and it became the biggest uh, comedy in the country. But after four or five years, someone said, you know, they have this accelerated film school over at NYU. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll move to New York and stay in a hotel in Manhattan. I mean, I was making a lot of money with plays. So I just was young and single and like, okay, <laughs> let's go and have some fun. Live your best life. Yes, yeah, I, so, do it. <laughs> yeah, so I went there to NYU. And um, uh, that was an eight-week accelerated, no, 10-week accelerated film hmm. course. Wow. And, um, but, you know, I didn't, I, I saw a girl in the class that I really liked and I chased her around New York for 10 weeks. And so I didn't pay attention <laughs> to not one thing that went on in that class. 
<laughs> so, well, no, well, you paid attention to something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got. Yeah. Well, did well, did did you end up like dating or anything or no? <laughs> uh, no, it was near miss, but we became great friends. Okay, good. Uh, we became great friends and still are great friends, but okay, no. Good. Yeah. Um, but had a great time, in Manhattan, and taking in New York and. And um, it was it was wonderful, but that was that was my first experience with film. Mm. Um, yeah, first experience. Mm. Yeah. So, like, when you were, you know, I guess even when you were growing up, or just like even like coming up as a writer or a playwright, uh, when was the first time that you felt that you saw yourself represented in a play or a TV show or a film or just in media in general? Well, as a as a as a playwright, it was it was seeing Diary of Black Men because um, these monologues and the, the commercial said, "How do you love a black woman?" Mm. and and so listening to men and their vulnerability and expressing you know their their affection um, that was powerful. And then sitting in a theater and seeing three thousand black people um, all dressed up. Um, uh, enjoying this, that, that, uh, you know, I hadn't, I grew up in a storefront church and storefront church means there's, you know, there's on the roll usually have 50 members, but every Sunday is about 12, 13 people <laughs> that are your family. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show up during Easter and Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it was that, you know, but, but the earliest cinema for me was, Superfly that I remember of, of, of blackness. I remember, and um, my parents weren't together and my mother wouldn't let us see it. And I remember my father, one of the few times he picked up my brother and I, he said, hey, wanna go see a movie? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so we go in there and it's Superfly. And I'm like, wow. And I remember the bathtub scene with Superfly and Sheila Frazier changed mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. I think that's when I realized I was a man. I think I went from a boy <laughs> to a man. Wow. During, there you go. During that bathtub scene in Superfly. <laughs> and I had a chance to become friends with Sheila Frazier years later. And it was hard for me to look at her in the eyes. I would turn away and look at her because that she was, I told her. She, she was that. She was that. Yeah. <laughs> she was that. that she woman. was that. She there was you go. Do you model your career or have do you look up to people like or do you have anybody that you want to model you want to like model your career after or or even like growing up and uh, were there people that you aspired to be or you look as up to as a writer uh, even before I was a writer the, the 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 writer that spoke to me the most was Neil Simon okay mm. and I loved just his stories of life, love, human condition, of family, and the rhythm of his his dialogue spoke to me. When we toured the first, my first play, Telling It Like It Is, we toured in the Richmond, at the Richmond, um, at the Carpenter Center in Richmond, and the, the <laughs> newspaper, Richmond Times Dispatch was their big newspaper there, and they said the first line of my first city in my touring place said the audience roared with laughter that would make Neil Simon envious. I'm like, oh, there you go. Nothing right <laughs> there. To, you know, they spoiled me. Wow. But it's it's Neil Simon. And then um, I got a chance to discover August Wilson. And it was a piano lessons I went to in San Francisco. And that 
the lyricism, the 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 rhythm and style and poetry and just just I mean, it was like people were singing a song with dialogue, and I'm like, well, what manner of of alien is this man? I was like, Who is this artist? And I just started watching all the going to see all his plays, Fences and Ma Rainey, uh, Black Bottom, and um, and then years years later, got a chance to sit down and talk to him. Oh, wow. And uh, he was like a mythological figure, um, like I was talking to one of the greats. But yeah, so I would say it would be Neil Simon and August Wilson. Yeah. Oh, dope, dope. Yeah. So, like, you know, you've you've written plays, and then, you know, how was that transition into like kind of playwriting, and then like going on to screen or going to film? And since being in film, how have you? seen the industry change from your very first film all the way up until Jingle Jangle? Uh, well, the, the first film was, a, was a, I would call like a student indie that I shot right after uh, film, right after the NYU experience. You can imagine how horrible that film was because I never went to class. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, I mean, can we that, watch it somewhere? No one is ever going to watch it because no one would ever hire me. Um, but the script was on fire because we had everybody in it. Uh, Tyra Banks. This was okay. '95, so it was Tyra, Malik Yoba, Nabuche Wright, um, Sherry Headley, um, oh, wow. Chip Fields, Morris Day. Um, Gary Dordan, yeah, uh, Karen mm -hmm. Parsons. So we had a star study. Oh, that was a good age. John of Amos, John mm -hmm. Amos was in there, and and the script was on fire. But I mean, you could have uh, thrown me in director's prison because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'm a theater <laughs> director. Everything is a master shot, a proscenium, you know. And um, and I'm looking at looking at it with my eyes and saying, and I remember the first time I'm like, man, that was wonderful. And the DP said, you might want to look into the monitor and see what you shot. And I'm like, whoa. And so I didn't know what I was doing, but um, that was that. But then when I really did the first film, which was First Sunday, it was still a um, um, kind of a, an homage to growing up in the in Holiness Church, Evangelical Church, and, and, and about how, uh, how there are good people that do bad things, and then there are bad people that do good things. And you have to kind of, it, it's not so, you know, there's a gray or it's not so black and white in judging people. Um, but it, but it, it wasn't necessarily a cinematic experience as much as it was the heart and soul and comedic. And, and I'm very proud of that. And that was at Screen Gems. And, and you know, it was at, at that time, you would, if you got a chance to do a black movie, they would put it up, open it up at Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Mm. And it was the event for the black community. And we opened up uh, $500,000 short of being number one that weekend. It was the bucket list nice. that beat us, which was Morgan Freeman and, yeah. and Jack Nicholson. And they were on twice as many screens as us. And, um, but I was proud of that. But you know, you were gonna open up on Dr. King's weekend. You were gonna have they had the formula where you, if you did 15 million or 20 million of black movie and it was DVDs, there was no way you were gonna lose. So there was a seal. Mm -mm. And that pretty much continued. And my next film was, uh, you know, Baggage Claim, another uh, $11 million movie. If, if, you, if you get, if you do it at a price, uh, black uh, 
uh, images don't travel. It's only going to open up well in Atlanta and DC and Detroit and yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago. So that's all we're going to give you. And then it was almost Christmas, uh, which another amazing cast. You're going to get only a, a certain amount of money, yeah. and you got to make sure it opens up in Atlanta and DC yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Detroit and in Chicago. And um, then I did El Camino Christmas, which was a small indie film that Ted Melfi wrote and asked me to direct for him. Um, uh, and then we get to Jingle Jangle. Yeah. And so you say, what is the difference between where I started? Well, they usually tell me you got $2. We love your script. We think <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is one of the best scripts we've read. And I think it could do really well. You got $2. <laughs> <laughs> And make sure it plays well. They still absolutely. play notes. And Martin Luther goes, King Jr. weekend. Absolutely. <laughs> well, in Atlanta and Chicago. Absolutely. And DC and $2.25, wow. then that 25 cents is on you. You do understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you got you to cover that 25 cents. We're going to help you there. And <laughs> if, if, if that's what it was, and, and cut to Jingle Jangle, which is um, on the shoulders of, of all of the amazing work that Spike Lee was able to do and, and, uh, and kind of revitalizing and making a market and making the stories um, not only um, critically acclaimed, but uh, commercial successes. And then there was this wave of, of course, the 90s movies that, uh, and, then, um, and then there was the big one the big one that was kind of the shot heard around the world. I don't know which one came first, but it was it was Get Out with Jordan Peele and Black Panther mm -hmm. um, with Brian Coogler. Right. And I remember when I went to see Get Out, and you know, you go to see scary movies, but you can leave after five minutes if you want to yeah. see black people because they're going to be killed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're going to be killed in the first five minutes. The first five minutes. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, there's always a guy named Kenny, Black Kenny, in all the, the <laughs> horror films. And Kenny, Kenny is not Kenny. going well. Kenny is Kenny. very unfortunate. He doesn't have yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. If you see a script and his name is Kenny, you don't want to. You're, you're done. <laughs> he, he wasn't gonna make it. Um, um, but that film was so poignant and powerful, yeah. and and then it did exceptionally did commercial business. And then mm -hmm. like, whoa, wait a second, right. you can put black faces in um horror films they can they can live past five minutes and people right. will go out and see it and he made that genre not about the faces but about the story the content mm -hmm. and everyone embraces it. and then black panther comes out and um you know, you couldn't find a Black Pack Panther action figure in no Disney store. <laughs> no, <laughs> but they said, "Okay, well, we're going to do this, and we're just going to whatever." But right. I knew that it was going to be a cultural phenomenon. I knew that. It, look, look, I I pulled out my closet. I pulled out my African garb. I went my son. We going here. Look, look, here. Off. we are here. The, I'm the king of, of <laughs> Mumba, and you are a king. Yeah, we <laughs> Yeah, we fought for those. We fought for those tickets. Like we have to be at that premiere. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. It didn't matter no, it was, what country it, you were from. If we were from Zamunda, it didn't matter fictitious or whatever. We were finding whatever African garb we had on, <laughs> and we were there. 
And <laughs> the film went on to do over a billion dollars yeah, globally because it wasn't then about the faces in front of it. It was the content. It was it was the excellence of the level of excellence that these uh, the filmmaker put into it and the actors in this world. So those were the two movies that, in my mind, that really started to shift that. Hmm. Yeah. It's not about black or white, it's about green. And that in the UCLA article that came out that studios are actually losing money by oh, not yeah. making, by not having representation. Right. And so here we come now, uh, I go in, this, in the office at, at Netflix with Scott Stuber and Nick Nesbitt and, uh, and simply told them about uh, holidays and watching um, Christmas films with my son who's seven years old now and I said we love Christmas I said and, and people of color love the holidays yeah I said but every holiday we have nothing to watch with anybody that looks like us there's mm. no representation of anybody um we have to watch jolly old Nick he's got to have rosy red cheeks he's got to right. have a white beard and uh and um and that's what it is yeah and I said, it, it, imagine the people of color around this world, that if there was some representation, how much they would enjoy that yeah. and, and what it would mean. And Scott Stuber said, I never, I never thought about that, but you're right, David. And we need to do something about it. Isn't that, that mm. crazy? Isn't that crazy that people, I always, I always question people that when, when you tell them something like this, like how, how do how is that something that you haven't thought about like i i don't know i i, I kind of feel like maybe maybe because we are black and we we kind of are more aware of the lack of diversity that we see especially in genres like christmas movies christmas adventure movies but like a lot of people it's it's surprising that when you tell them this thing or you or you confront them with this it's like oh i didn't even know that so yeah. i don't know it's just <laughs> it's like no it's it's it, i think it's just a blind spot in the industry yeah. and you know uh, going to that study about uh the ucla thing I, I wrote that up for deadline and i was like reading through this and i was like all and it, it was pretty eye-opening i, I read also, yours then i read yours <laughs> well that's i read yours that's when it came across my feet i'm like whoa what's it's this? kind that's of beautiful. and it's like all i think a lot of us or people of color uh queer community have been saying you know diversity sells and right. people are craving these kinds of stories and isn't it kind of amazing how like it took get out and black panther to make people realize hey the black community could just do something beyond, you know, they could tell other stories besides right. the one you exactly. want them to tell. And then like, I think Black Panther paved this way for like other people, like Crazy Rich Asians came around the same time. That became one of the highest grossing rom-coms of like 10 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, unfortunately we haven't seen like a Latinx, you know, you know, big movie or, mm -hmm. you know, an indigenous movie yet, but I mm -hmm. hope we're on the way there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and with with Jingle Jingle, would you say that this is sort of kind of what, 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 what um, Jordan Peele did for Get Out and, and Black Panther, this is sort of putting, putting Black people at the center of a holiday adventure movie that we don't really, I was trying to think of comparisons when I, when I was watching it. And I was, I was like, you know, this movie's, this movie's giving me Cinderella, Brandy, Brandy, and, <laughs> yes. and version. Um, but that was still, I mean, that was a, a great like mixed cast, but thinking about like having like black people at the center and this is, this is, it's not, it's not a, it's an adventure movie. It has magic in it. It has like all these sci-fi elements. It was just really fun to see that type of, that type of film that like, I feel like I can watch with my nephews, you know, mm. or 
my nieces during. Um, so, so this took you 20 years in the making, right? Mm -hmm. This, this project. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I wanted to comment that, you know, the crazy rich Asians, it says, Oh, Oh, Asians fall in love too. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's oh, what a novel idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same thing and, with black people like Christmas or holidays. And, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what, like, oh. what it does is it normalizes. Mm. Um, you know, it was very intentional in uh, the representation. Um, this film, Jingle Jangle, is very intentional in its representation, but yet it has nothing to do with race. It doesn't. Or color. Yeah. It, 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 never it has it. humanity and heart. And it normalizes that, oh, wait yeah. a second. Oh, people of color, oh, they have families and have the same issues uh, and enjoy. And, and so it normalizes. And those films, um, they normalized that we're all collectively as a community it's it's about not the black or white or brown or or uh, Asian experience. It's about the human experience, and that's what connects us all. And and you know I got great uh, respect for Netflix because they're a global brand. So they're in 191 countries around the world. So they understand 32 languages. They understand that they're not just programming for Atlanta and DC yeah. and Chicago and Houston. Right. They are, but they're not just. Exactly. So they understand that they want something that um, speaks to this kind of global audience. And 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 the 20 years that it took, it took me 20 years to sit in a room with, with two people that saw uh, there was a hole and they, they, they were bold enough to say, well, let's fill it, you know, mm -hmm. let's, let's patch it up. And this whole tapestry of, of holiday films. There was this gaping hole in there. And they said, well, let's go fill it up and let's sew it with some soul. And 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 that's what they did. And 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 you know the industry has changed. Hopefully this will be a reset button for not hopefully it will be a reset yeah. button for holiday films. It you will just like if you see a Marvel film and you don't see the general or you don't see the little sister mm -hmm. or uh, Black Panther, God rest Chadwick. So if you don't yeah. see them in the Marvel film, you're like, well, well where's the general? What, what, what's wrong? So yeah, they're yeah, making yeah. it, they're making it normal now. And I think that's what, that's the beauty of where film is going now. Yeah. Also, I have to say, I got a kick out of watching uh, uh, Forrest uh, dance Afrobeat. <laughs> I was like, okay. Forrest <laughs> got that old black man <laughs> at the family I reunion. I see y'all. <laughs> I, I love Forrest it. Whitaker. Yes. <laughs> that man is a force of nature. And yeah. he is, has so much love and humanity and joy just in his yeah. spirit. And he's a big kid. You don't think of when you see Forrest, you know, playing Edie no. and, and, like, and all the like, characters. He's intimidating a little bit when you when you yeah. You <laughs> think of this like huge thespian and like yeah. he's like very <laughs> like, serious, like a, but like to, and you just described like everything you described him kind of describes the whole film. It's like joyous. There's just yeah. this like magic about like that was just bought with the story. Yeah, that dance though in the in the, the, the <laughs> forest. I, I got, mean, they're I gonna, that's gonna be on TikTok. Yeah. That that is hilarious. <laughs> I got excited. I got up from my seat when I was when the dance happened. <laughs> um, so this is this is this is your this isn't your first musical, right? Like you've have you have you written musicals and play form? Well, the plays, yeah, about yeah. 
10 of, I toured 14 plays, 10 of them were musicals. Okay. Um, so, you know, I've been playing around with music for, you know, 30 mm. years in plays, so, but just had never shot one as a film. Yeah, so how, how was the experience though, getting to actually put one on film, like, was that? Oh, like it was great? great, it was great. Um, you know, it's easy, you know, look, I pulled Phil Lawrence. Phil Lawrence, who wrote all the Bruno Mars songs with Bruno. Now, Phil has sold probably over 100 million records worldwide. He has eight Grammys. I mean, he is, he understands uh, not only music that's soulful, but that music that speaks to the world and that the mm -hmm. world bobs their head to. And then I brought John Legend in to produce and write, mm -hmm. uh, you know, music for the film too, mm -hmm. whose music is around the world, is global. So, so... So it was, it was the first step was to have these great songs. Yeah. And then you cast great singers, you know, um, Forrest yeah. did, went God. to school for yeah, singing. Yeah, that's my girl. <laughs> yeah, and Anika Noni Rose. Oh God, Anika. Under the, 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 the. Her moment, I was just like. <laughs> I love Anika. I oh, think it was chills. It was chills. Yeah. It was yeah. chills with Anika. I mean, that that woman, I've been a fan of hers for forever. And that woman, when she sings, make it work in that town square, you can forget about <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No, you can't. Um, yeah. And Madeline Mills, who we discovered, whose voice yeah. is just like an angel. She's like a little angel singing mm. to you. And Miss Johnston and Keegan Michael Key. It didn't nobody know Keegan could sing. <laughs> and he's killing Magic Man G. Definitely. So what, you know, is it with, what is it with Christ, uh, Christmas films? Because you, your last three films have been Christmas films. Well, it's funny. I didn't plan it to be that way. Mm -hmm. um, almost Christmas, I wrote that it was called A Myers Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. And when we sold it to Universal, Packer said, baby, that's Packer. Packer's like the mayor of the world. Packer's like, hey, baby, I love your <laughs> script. Baby, we're going to make, baby, we're going to do this. we at the big studio now, baby. Just need one <laughs> thing, baby. I love it. I love it. I love it. We need to make it Christmas. <laughs> and, and, um, and so we made it, it changed from Myers Thanksgiving to, uh, it was a Myers Christmas, then they changed it to almost Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then I just was going through to a general meeting at Netflix and Ted Melfi, who I had known, I showed up there. I was coming out of the elevator and the other, on the other side of the elevator, this is when the building was in, in Beverly Hills, I, I saw a hand stop at the door and, you know, Ted did Hidden Figures. He wrote and directed Hidden Figures. Mm -hmm. And so a hand came out and, and it was Melfi. And he says, DT, uh, I'm like, Melfi, what you doing here? He says, uh, you know, I'm just taking a meeting. He said, what you doing here? And I said, I, I, I got to take a, a general meeting here. And he says, yeah, man. He says, I got a film I'm doing over here at Netflix and I'm doing one at Warner Brothers, so I can't direct it. So we're here trying to figure out who's going to direct it. And he looked at me and says, holy shit, DT, you're going to direct it. Wow. And I said, I said, Melvin, what are you talking about? He said, look, I wrote the script. I want to produce it. It's a go movie. We're shooting in three months. You'll be perfect. I'll send you a script this afternoon. I said, Melvin, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He said, DT, he said, call me after you read it. So I read it. And of course, Melfi's a beast of a writer. Yeah. So I loved it. So that's how I got that gig. Now that script was called El Camino. Mm -hmm. Then they changed it to <laughs> El Camino Christmas. It had nothing <laughs> to do with Christmas. So I go from first, it was Myers Thanksgiving. They changed that to almost Christmas. This movie was just called El Camino. They changed it to El Camino Christmas. And, and now I'm the Christmas Jing dude. <laughs> So like technically Jingle Jangle was from the start Christmas. So this is well, kind of your. It was set during that time. 
but it wasn't called then it was called Jingle Jangle the whole time and then they changed the title <laughs> Jingle Jangle a Christmas Journey. <laughs> so you're gonna be forever known. You're, you're, gonna you're just gonna make Christmas movies. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna be that the, the holiday film director. I'm, I'm Black Santa. I mean if you just, I'm, I, I'm officially Black Santa and uh you know, I just dyed a beard white for the yeah. holidays and my cheeks are pretty rosy and then there you go. But the holidays but are a wonderful go. time. Yeah. And it's a um, wonderful time filled with heart and soul and a lot of pain also mm. uh, during the holidays. So it gives me a chance to explore, you know, those things as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, so like, I, I watched it like through last night and last night, as everyone knows, was a, was a night because someone got confirmed or whatever, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> but it bought like, you know, I was looking up at it, it bought this like certain amount of joy and like an escapism at yeah. the same time, very grounded. Very it, it reminded me of like, you know, you know, th these old timey Christmas musicals and but we get to see black and brown faces. Mm -hmm. And um, did you, and because it, it, it felt very, like, was it all shot on a, a sound stage, or a, what did you like go? Because I felt like that, and I like mm -hmm. that feeling. Yeah, I wanted to feel like the old MGM musicals, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and and Oliver, and, and yeah. you know, things that you saw full in the Disney classics, like you know Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, mm -hmm. where you saw full body dancing, mm -hmm. and um, so it was intentional in that. And uh, we brought in Ashley Wallen, who choreographed The Greatest Showman, to uh, as our choreographer. That and I told him I wanted to, I wanted the full, full body, full body choreography. Mm. I wanted it to, um, you know, and we wanted it to be in a set that didn't feel like a set. So we shot it the same place they did Aladdin, a place called Arborfield. Mm. That's what we shot. And then we did, uh, you know, some exteriors to open it up, like uh, the snowball scene and all that stuff. That yeah. was in a real town of Norwich that we shot. But um, yeah, it was, it was important to, um, for scope. You know, yeah. and when I talk at some of the films, even Crazy Rich Asians, well, look at the scope of that film. You've never seen, you know, it had been the Joy Luck Club, which is an amazing movie, but these are all contained small yeah. movies. You didn't see scope and, and yeah. grandness like that. And that's what I wanted to make sure was in this film was scope and the yeah. production uh, quality and the production design and the costume design and the uh, visual effects and all of that stuff. I wanted you to feel like you were in a major event movie that happened to have people of color. You yeah. weren't in a people of color movie. Yeah. That yeah. that happened to be an event. Yeah. There was no so, Kenny in this movie. There was no Kenny. No, one black Kenny. No, one black Kenny. <laughs> there, he was waiting there, no... you know, he, 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 he slid in my DMs and said, what's up? What's up? <laughs> you know, so I got put black Kenny in some movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, you definitely, because it did feel super, you know, traditional in that sense, but also at the same time felt super modern. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, you kind of answered my ne my next question, or you actually answered the couple questions about, you know, what you look, what did you look to to inform the look? And, you know, you mentioned the Disney, the MGM, this like kind of old Hollywood charm. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, did you grow up on those? Or like, have you, did you always kind of, uh, uh, 
were, were those kind of some of your favorite kind of holiday movies? And oh, I uh, got just I, yeah. I'm Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Willy <laughs> all day long. I haven't seen that in such a all, long time. All day long, and 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 um, that's what I grew up. I know all that. I know every single uh, <laughs> song from Dick Van Dyke song and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and and Willy Wonka. My son when he was. Uh, born, I put it, we stenciled up on his wall. There is no place I know that compares to pure imagination. Oh. to be free if you truly mm -hmm. wish to be. Mm -hmm. And so I, I sat down with my son when he was four, and I'm like, we're going to watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, man. We will watch my, my favorite song, my favorite movies. Like, yeah, daddy, I'm going to watch it. So we sit there with popcorn, and I'm just watching it and singing, crying. I'm like, my child, go right from it. <laughs> I look at him, and he was staring at the screen trying to figure out, oh, what could he wrap his mind around? And he's like, well, can I play with my Legos? I'm like, you ain't playing no damn Legos. You watch the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang like I watched when I was a kid. He's like, okay. And then he just started drifting off and everything. I'm like, go ahead and play with the Legos, man. experience for me. Oh, he's not a fan. And then it real, I realized that he couldn't relate to anything on the screen. Mm. There were, that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, I didn't realize, is the whitest movie perhaps ever made. And these kids were the happiest little British, pure British kids. And it's a beautiful, <laughs> wonderful movie. Yeah. But there's no representation any way, shape, or form. And, and, and that's when I realized, I said, oh, that's my uh, nostalgia. Because we yeah. had no other option when I was uh, growing up. You, you had no other option of inclusivity. It was only The Wiz was the one outlier that came along, but they were all grown people in the wigs. Yeah. And I loved it and it was wonderful, but where are the children right. in this movie? Mm. And so I realized that, um, I realized that representation, he wanted to see someone that looked like him because we had just not too long ago gone to see Miles Morales in um, Spider Universe. And he's got, he's Miles Morales all out. Yeah. And I, I, then it connected to me why he loves Miles Morales. Because yeah. he looks like him. Right, oh right. God. That is such a good that point. That was how it's my like, little cousin. He connected so much to Black Panther. Like he, it was, it, it was his everything. He Black Panther is his everything. But like in terms of the other Marvel films, it's like he. I mean, he liked them, but when it came to Black Panther, it was like it was a different relationship he had to it, and something that I guess we just we don't think of. But this is something important for people to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's that that's such a good point. Is because like we grew up, a lot of us grew up on this dominant culture that right. where where white culture was the standard and mm -hmm. that we had no choice. But then mm -hmm. now this younger generation there, I'm like jealous of them because they get to actually see, but then you show them something that we grew up with like you did. And they're like, what the fuck is this shit? They want, they want, they want no parts of it. <laughs> yes. and, and I love that that's where, I love that that's where films are going. I love the representation. I love that we're in a place where uh, where studios see that it just makes good business sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I can be, wait a second, I can make money and be woke? Right, yeah. right. Wait a second. Yeah. It's a, it's okay what a concept. Maybe not 10 years ago, but now I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah even like this, is like a, this is like a twofer. Yeah. I can have diversity <laughs> and make money, what? I'm in. I mean, there's, okay. and then there's like just so much to look forward to, you know, and, uh, you know, I am personally excited to like see Shang-Chi and how that will mm -hmm. subvert 
you know, and I, I, I think Shang-Chi is a different one for the Asian community just because of how that character was created, a bunch of stereotypes and anything, but how they're going to subvert that. Um, and then we have In the Heights coming out. I think it's going to be good. It. It's going to, yeah. My son and I, we watched Mulan. We had movie night. Uh, yeah. And, and it doesn't matter to this generation the color so much. They they accept and expect it to look like my son has right. friends, his black friends, his Asian friends, his Indian friends, his white friends. He's all kinds of uh, uh, friends. So he's, they're used to, you know. They're used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas we just grew up with. <laughs> yeah, oh, but it's true, it's true. So, so definitely, I mean, I don't think that there's any going back. So I there just, is no going I mean, back. Yeah. It might, you know, Hollywood goes through its waves. We know that this diversity, not the first. You can't unring the bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like, yeah. now it's about, I think now is the time to, like, kind of hold the industry accountable. You know, there, mm -hmm. we, after, you know, we, we were seeing this interesting reckoning, reckoning, you know, especially after George Floyd's death, and that kind of just reverberated throughout all industries. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. now it's like, there is plenty of virtue signaling, which, you know, I first I thought was a little bit like a oh, virtue signaling, you're, you're just all talk. But mm -hmm. someone pointed out to me that virtue signaling is good because now we could hold these people accountable who right. are virtue signaling. Exactly. They're like, oh, you said you're going to do this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, it's, but it's important for us, though, that what we put out there in the universe, it, it has a standard of excellence, that it exceeds mm -hmm. expectation. Yeah. If Crazy Rich Agents, as great as it was, didn't do anything at the box office, then, mm. well, Dang. well, you know. Yeah. Which was so, sad, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, so we have to, yeah. but but that is our responsibility as uh, as filmmakers to throw everything but the kitchen sink into the films, but do it with yeah. a level of excellence and surround yourself with people that um, that are masters of their craft to help evolve, you know, your idea. And um and that is a heavy, heavy responsibility, but we got to carry it yeah. because now, uh, once Jingle Jangle works, then then you go over to Disney or you may go to Universal. Or then 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 we're not trying to just put a black person in a white role. Right. Yeah. The, the, right. the excitement is, and oh, they got a black girl to play Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ariel wasn't broke. Oh, they got yeah. a black girl to play Annie. Well, Annie, I'm not mad at, at giving, but. The, Let's make our original one. That's there you Annie. go. Annie is a little white girl with cute as, as she can be with freckles and red hair. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's what she is. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes with that argument everyone's like saying, as much as I would like to see Idris Elba be James Bond, I was like, oh, why not create another character, Idris Elba, and have him be his own thing and not James Bond? Now, every woman is going to cancel you after that. <laughs> <laughs> I did you preface know, it. I don't mind. Philosophical <laughs> to a point. Okay. When it comes to Idris Elba, he is a religion. You cannot. No, that's true. Canceled oh. because look, it's look. so it's so funny because I, I I did tweet something out that Idris Elba is his own you know like sexual preference. Like there's yeah. hetero. There's yeah. like he's and, a whole different world. And women would be okay if that was he a would first Bond be movie okay that had no dialogue. If it was I'm, still, I'm still advocating Idris Elba. No, I don't mind. Give him Bond and another movie. Look, Why not? You give him Bond, you have no dialogue, you have slow motion you don't shots need dialogue. pushing on his face and unbuttoning that tuxedo. That's it. That's and it's it. Or just shirtless the whole one time. One scene, one maybe 
maybe a, a, a steamy like whatever scene and we're good that movie can end right there and then no. like like five minutes <laughs> just show him for 90 <laughs> minutes on screen making scrambled eggs i got i got i made the biggest mistake i'm watching the movie with idris elba and i'm over here trying to comment on the first act break and the second act break <laughs> story arc and the character design and my wife looked at me and said would you shut up <laughs> if you don't want to go see if you don't want to see this movie you don't have to see this movie you go see something else but i'm gonna sit here and watch this movie and i don't care about the first act second act or any that's true you're gonna put interest in any you know okay i i, I will take accountability for what <laughs> i take just that said back, you know you, you, you don't want that life we'll, we'll you don't want that life we're gonna edit that out yeah <laughs> um so we have Jingle Dangle. It's coming out November thirteenth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What What else is next for you that you can tell us? Another Another Christmas movie. Another Christmas movie. <laughs> no, I think I'm thinking I'm um, I'm three for I think, right. I think that's, that's your that's time. kind of your trilogy, right? Yeah. Your yeah. Christmas trilogy. trilogy. Right. It's a, right. It's the Christmas trilogy. Yeah. And and there'll be a box set. <laughs> no, seriously. You but can... but I'm doing uh, uh, building worlds, building okay. another world. Okay. Um, okay. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, I got a, this whole visual effects kind of world building bag that, that, that Netflix allowed me to, that gave me the budget. You know, they not only greenlit the film, but they gave me the budget. They gave me all the financial support. So now, you know, you can't unring the bell. So I, I like, I like world building. I like um, stories, big diverse stories with inclusion um, and sharing them with the world. So that, that's where I am now. That, that, that's where I am. I'm not going, I'm not going. <laughs> would you want, would you want Jingle Jangle to be even a stage musical? Like kind of. It, that's how it started. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And that's why, and we're already in talks. It's going to be, mm -hmm. it's going to be a perennial stage production on Broadway. Yeah. And, um, and that, I've already I mean, talked I would love to see Forrest that. Whitaker into playing Geronicus on the, the debut, whatever the opening up uh, was. Um, so yeah, it's going to be on stage. You know, you know, it has stage written all over. It. Yeah, yeah. And then also the merchandising from this. Right. <laughs> and also shout out to Rashad. We need to mention. Her. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, yeah. I want one. I, I told. I, I so want one. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I the, the, the buddy three thousand is everything. <laughs> <laughs>
That ruined it for me. <laughs> oh God! So no more cookies. I no more cookies. Ate the That's cookies, fine. But my mother ate the cookies. Um, okay, so if you could make another musical or even play, let's say, or movie about a holiday with any unlimited with an un unlimited budget, what holiday would it be, and who would you cast to star? Huh. This can be uh, any holiday. Any holiday. Any holiday. Flag day. Yeah. <laughs> any holiday. Yeah. Uh, any holiday. It'd probably be Juneteenth. I'm fascinated mm -hmm. with that. I'm fascinated mm -hmm. with that. Um, mm -hmm. The whole celebration. And because I want every woman on the planet to see it on opening weekend, <laughs> I'm casting <laughs> Idris Elba in his first <laughs> non-speaking role. It's a silent movie. <laughs> And I'm shooting with about 10 cameras so I can shoot the angle on him right. at 10 Every different angles in slow motion. Let's put that okay. first. Let's that, make it happen. Well, that's just going to, Juneteenth the musical starring Idris Elba with no speaking part. And he doesn't that's sing. the whole title. He's the star of the musical. He doesn't talk or sing. It is, it is it's perfect. It'll be one shirtless scene, so we're good. No, there, he's just shirtless the whole time, lather, <laughs> slathered in baby oil. And everyone's <laughs> What is your, do you have a favorite like corny holiday movie? Mine is, uh, I don't know if it's corny, but it's uh, a Christmas story. It's, <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. it's kind of campy, you know. With like, Ralph oh, yeah, That shit is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like the only Christmas movie that I would actually, like, it, they play it like all day on Christmas yeah. day yeah. on TBS or wherever. And I will actually sit down and watch it anytime it's on. Just because it's brilliant. It's brilliant. The writing, the writing and the narration of it yeah. is just brilliant. And my son, he's still now in the pop culture. He says, I triple dog dare you. <laughs> you know, and, and the tongue stuck on it. I mean, just so much, uh, so many yeah. iconic things in there. I thought, I think that's a, that's, that's my one. I, I think, I think the guy who played Ralphie, isn't he like a producer or a writer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so this is gonna be a tough one. If you had to choose one piece of your work that you created to be known for, which one would it be? It'd be this. Mm. Oh, quick answer. Nice. Yeah, this is this is um, your passion is, project, right? This is the first time I've got a chance to really in film or anything open up my heart mm. fully and um and bring kind of uh the big the child in me needed this film and i think the child in us all need this film mm -hmm. and so it, it it would it would be this one oh mm -hmm. yeah i definitely can't wait to watch it with my mm -hmm. my kids and nephews mm -hmm. okay it's perfect it's perfect timing when yeah. it's getting released too mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. would you rather be held in high regard by your parents or your friends This is kind of a hard. Uh, my parents or my friends? Yeah, my friends. Mm. Mm -hmm. my I think friends. I, I think our parents would always love us, like it, like you know, even if it's not. Mm. But I feel like friends. Or they have a version of you that they want you to be. Right. You will never right. meet. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like even you could reach the pinnacle of what you want to do and be happy for it, but your parents will just be able like look at you and be all, oh, that's nice. Now take out the garbage, you know, that kind of thing. My, my, I have been doing plays for 20 years. And my grandmother, my mother's mother, you know, come to all the plays. We're selling out. We're at 4,000 seaters selling out everywhere. Flew her all across the country. And 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 then she went into a grocery store one day 
And I, I, Morris Chestnut and I were on the cover of Jet Magazine for okay. one of the, and she called nice. me and she said, baby, <laughs> mama been praying for you that the Lord was going to bless you in your career and you were going to make it one day. And baby, when I saw that Jet Magazine, <laughs> I said, the Lord done answered uh, my prayers. <laughs> Come on, Jet Magazine. <laughs> it was that was her. That was her. Making it. <laughs> Baby, I bought every Jet magazine oh, in this store. <laughs> love that. I love that. Love, love, also love, love, love. Also, who can also be an Idris album for us. Oh, oh, yeah, there you go. He'll star in that musical, too. He'll star in the musical. Oh, 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 he's a black pie, piper <laughs> yeah. in the community. Everybody loves him. He could be, be no dialogue, too. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Our, our final question, we ask this to all of our guests, is there an underrepresented voice in the in, in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, creator, that is not in the mainstream that you think people need to know more about and deserves more recognition by Hollywood? I say my wife. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, who is the lead producer of this film, but you know, it's so tough. It's tough being a woman. And then it's tough being married to the director because people perceive you as a plus one. Right. Mm. A must hire. Um, but she is my must hire because my work wouldn't nearly be as good as it is without her. And oh. people look at her as, as, as somebody that I'm bringing along, but, but that woman has brought me along. When, when, I first, when we first started dating, and she saw one of my early plays. We've been married 22 years. I mean, you could huff and puff and blow the balls down. I mean, it was, it was. And she came immediately and started changing the aesthetics of my plays and, and challenging me um, to write better scripts and challenging me to push myself. And, and I would nearly be here. The, the film wouldn't look like it looks. Um, uh, from the costume design to the uh, production design, all of that. She's painted the hairstyle, Jeremy's hairstyle. That was her. She was wow. going to the David. This would look great if it was this. Uh, the uh, costume design. She said, you just can't have Victorian style. I give African uh, mm -hmm. fabric. So, I noticed so that too. She got, yeah. she got the, the costume designer to fly to Africa to get authentic, to mix this up. So all so of this is her style. And, and I think, you know, just women don't get enough credit, first of all, just as being women um, and, and how they're driving industries and how they're driving pop culture. And certainly my wife, um, she is not a plus, if anyone's a plus one, it is me because there's <laughs> nobody, there's no way that anything I've done would have turned out the way it, it has and continues to without that woman's look, touch and feel. So, Wait, I'm spacing on your wife's name. Can you, can you remind me? Lynn Sisson Talbert. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Lynn, Lynn Sisson Talbert. That's my That's woman perfect. crush. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday. Seven days a week. Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. 365 days a year. Shout yeah. out to Lynn. Yeah. Shout out. Again, so much for being here. This was a great discussion. Yes. Film. Amazing. Great family film. Much needed. Um, yeah. I encourage everybody to watch it, especially during the holidays. It's yeah. Like and we look forward to David's next film, next Christmas film, and also the oh, Juneteenth film. No, no, film. you will not be looking forward to it. <laughs> and Juneteenth starring Idris Elba. Idris Elba in a musical, a non-speaking, non-singing non role. In a ground, groundbreaking <laughs> filmmaking. <laughs> Thank you.
you again, David. Thank you, David. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, y'all. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.